Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com is our email address. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on our website, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. And the NCAA cross-country season is officially over, Gordon, for 2020. It is. And so is October. What were you for Halloween? Both things are over. What were you for Halloween on Saturday? I was nothing. My son was Black Panther and my daughter was Wonder Woman and I accompanied them. And I feel like when you're a parent and you have kids, you don't have to then dress up. It excuses you because no one's going to pay attention to your costume anyway because everybody wants to look at what the kids are wearing. Did your wife dress up? She wore one of those shirts that had like skeleton bones on it. So I don't think that counts. Does that count when you wear a t-shirt that's your costume? I don't think so. Oh, well, because I don't have kids and I'm not married, I still act like a kid and get dressed up for said sure, Halloween. Sure. I mm-hmm. went as a nasal swab oh, for okay. Halloween. So you're went, you're pretty famous for your Halloween costumes because you did the you did the lime scooter a couple is that two years ago and you won in a you won the contest with our yeah I did a with our website, lime right? scooter. Nasal swab, mm. though, was a hit at, at the bars. The people thought it was funny. People were like, hey, man. And my, they asked me like to give me a, give them a test, and I would take my head and ram it up their nose. It was a good time. Uh, you know, social distancing, yeah, of course, sounds- you know. <laughs> Check out my Twitter or Instagram if you want to see what I look like. I painted my entire face white. i never done that before. I looked like a mime. It was a good time. What was JoJo? So Jojo, we just watched um, The Sopranos. So she wanted okay. to be Adriana from The Sopranos, but then she also wanted to be dead because Adriana, spoiler alert, gets killed. Uh, so she was whoa, dead. Oh, I haven't seen it. So she was she was a zombie Adriana. Mm. But so she gave out spoilers. Yeah, but people couldn't really tell that she was Adriana because it's not like a signifying characteristic of that actress so she ended up being just a (laughs) because i was a COVID test and we're a couple she was a dead pop star from covid all right let's move on let's talk about instead of like cross (laughs) it was a great it was a great Uh, halloween let me just say it was a great halloween it was a great halloween check out my as i mentioned what i looked like it was great yeah you can you can do that you can dm gordon if you want more info on this um so we had those three conference championships that we recapped on Friday. So we're not going to go too in, de- in depth on those uh, three. We're going to look more holistically at the entire season now that it's on pause until January or February. So this is sort of – I guess it's the season's over for 2020, but it's almost like halftime. And we're going to do some winners and losers so far of what we've seen with NCAA Cross. Of course, this is going to be weighted heavily towards Big 12. SEC, ACC, and then those teams that competed in in Stillwater. But, Gordon, do you want to alternate going winners and losers? Yeah, I'll start with the loser. Oh, wow. Okay. Losers are the service academies, the Southern Conference, and the MAC Conference because they still have more races later on this fall, but you are overlooking it that we're crowning – Winners and losers before they even finish their seasons. <laughs> so the fact that Southern Conference and MAC and America's race of service academies aren't getting as much love 
because we want to call a lid on the cross country season. I think it's, it's we we'll point that out. So okay, yeah, you know what I meant. You know, I know. What I meant. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the... being I'm being facetious. Okay, so do you really want to start with a winner or a loser? Yeah, I really I, I really will start with the winner or loser. Winner, I would say, is Oklahoma State men. They mm. came into the season as a f- like I don't know. I remember when I ranked them, I ranked them like, oh, they're on their home course. They'll make the meet and they get twenty fifth. This was like, mm-hmm. I just there. There's too many unknowns. I knew Isai was good, but he's coming off an injury. Uh, I knew they had Ryan Smeaton, but he's never really. He's a steepler, hasn't really shown to be a, a legitimate like top forty type guy. And then they had a bunch of young guys who haven't done anything. And then they go out and they win the Cowboy Jamboree. Then they get second to NAU, technically third behind BYU at their home meet. And then they go out and beat Iowa State again at the conference championship, putting together a resume that's like, hey, this team is this team's legit. Uh, they do have a couple weaknesses. Weaknesses, they don't have really much depth. There's a big drop-off after five for them. Um, another weakness would be uh, they have – they're young. But their strength is like they're, they're pretty damn good. And like if all five runners are having good days, this team is a top five team in my opinion. Because uh, they can put together, they're going to be on their home course in March, and I think they are the one team that really embraced this season and come out of it as like a new look contender uh, going into March. And this team, you know, I don't think they're going to win in March, but mm-hmm. because of COVID, they get to return everyone for 2021, and then they'll get to basically only lose one guy from this roster for the 2022 season. And in 2022, the meet is also in Oklahoma. So I'm looking at the 2022 cross-country championships. We could have a home team potentially win the whole damn thing. Okay, good. I was waiting for your, I was waiting for your 2022 prediction. And it's weird that it doesn't involve middle Tennessee state. Usually when you're forecasting four (laughs) years out, it ends in a middle Tennessee state title. I'll stay on the men's side, and I'll stay with the team picture. Arkansas, I thought, was a big winner here. Now, they had high expectations coming into the shortened season because your rankings put a lot of pressure on people. We know that. And you said Arkansas could potentially contend with BYU and NAU because they have that group of transfers coming in. I thought they didn't do anything spectacular, but I think that they lived up to what you said they'd be capable of with Amon Kemboy, with Chevison, et cetera, et cetera. And now I think you're looking at a situation where Arkansas's worst case scenario, their floor is fourth in March, yeah. depending on who they, who they run. And that's a good spot to be in because the pressure is going to be on the defending champion, BYU. The pressure is going to be perhaps on NAU to get some payback. Arkansas is still a little bit under the radar, even though you and your rankings have anointed them as a potential upset candidate and can win the entire thing. But I thought they did good enough and they showed, okay, everybody's here. Everybody's healthy. They're able to compete. You could see that turning into a team that's very dangerous in March. Yeah. And though Arkansas does have a, I'm not sure what the phrase is. Is it bugaboo? I may have made that up with the fact that Arkansas is hosting NCAA 
indoors. I think they're hosting SECs as well. Mm-hmm. You know, administration is going to be like, hey, you got to do well in indoor. Like, we're hosting it. You can't just sandbag indoor. And <clears throat> if these guys are asked to go to the well for their SEC championship for NCAAs, their yeah. ability to also succeed two days later, two weeks later, whatever, at the NCAA mm-hmm. cross-country championships might be hindered. So that could be a disadvantage. Uh but we don't know how they'll approach it. But, you know, of all teams, Arkansas is the one where there's a track, big-time track program element to their to uh, responsibility. Like, you don't have the Florida yeah. cross-country team out there. You don't have the Texas A&M cross-country team out there or, or Houston or all these other teams, uh, Texas Tech, LSU, all these teams that we think are going to try to win indoor titles. But Arkansas yeah. is the one where, like, hey, we got to try to do both. And uh, mm. it's going to be – a challenge for Chris Buckham. They have depth, though. You brought it up they looking do. through the results yesterday. Some of the people that you thought could be their one of their top three guys actually was was sixth at SECs. So they have some options there. They have some things that they can play with. I don't know how they're exactly going to approach it. I think they should go for it in cross. Well, they should do they should do both depending on how many get, they get through to the top uh, top sixteen there indoors. But Arkansas to me was a was a big winner. Are you going to do losers? I just feel like everybody's lost this year, and I'm trying to think of some. I have a lot, a lot more winners in my head. I mean, if you want to do a loser, you can do that as well too. I'm just thinking in my head of who I want to pick next, and it's just a lot. It's a lot of positivity coming out of my brain today. I have a loser. Okay, go ahead. Thomas Ratcliffe goes to North Carolina. He <laughs> first race of the season finishes like eighth, and then at ACCs and DNFs. I mean, Ratcliffe is like one of the arguably one of the best talents. I feel like when healthy, you could argue that yeah. Thomas Ratcliffe is the best uh, distance runner in the NCAA right now when healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he got third in that 5K behind um, what well, behind Fisher and McDonald, and yeah. that was what two years ago. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to put together a good cross country season. Basically, the last time we saw him on fire was cross last year when he was like regular season cross mm-hmm. when he's going head to head with Edwin Kurgat, who Kurgat ended up being the NCAA champion. So he was neck and neck with the future NCAA champion. And now he's just not able to put together good races. Um, change of scenery didn't help. I mean, I'm sure the academic workload at North Carolina is a lot easier than Stanford, uh, but just hasn't been able to put something together. There might be something more to it. Again, it's okay to kind of suck right now because there's nothing to be good for, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's a fake, it's a fake season, right? So, um, in the end, it's not that big of a deal, and I'm sure they're probably thinking like, "Hey, bigger things. Let's get healthy for the trials, stuff like that." But uh, yeah, I guess that was one loser. I was most excited to see, "Hey, what's Ratcliffe gonna do in a new uniform out there on the East Coast?" And we didn't get to see anything special. I think he just threw North Carolina's academics under the bus there, saying it would be easy for him. He'll probably, he's probably in a pretty tough master's program. North Carolina is hard to, hard school to get into. Um, yeah, he was so good in that 5K outdoors, and then the beginning of cross country in 2019, he had that wave, was riding that momentum, and then the end of the season petered out, and then now it's back to to where it was. If he can if he can get healthy, I bet he's 
I mean, I'm probably happy that the season is is over at this point and kind of regroup, reassess, and, and try to try to salvage some of of what he had last year. Because you're right, there's very few people as talented as as he is. I'll do another winner for you. I'll go to the women's side of things here. Um, go back to that Stillwater meet. I'll Whitney Orton winner. She got got the victory. Looked really good doing it. Also in this offseason, she set the world record for the basketball mile. So things are going to schedule for Whitney Orton. I think, you know, you start the year. What do you want to accomplish? Do you want to win a DMR? Nah, anybody can do that. What you want to do is you want to get a basketball mile world record and you want to get a win in a very strange race in Stillwater. She did that. I think she still is the top contender for top top contender to Kaladi on the women's side of things. And I don't think like is there who's third? Like I guess I could pull up your rankings here, but if it feels like there's like a gap between those two. Do you feel yeah. the same way? Yeah, there hasn't been another person who's really solidified the marquee matchup up there besides those two. So you have uh, Donahue third, who wasn't racing, Bethany Hawes fourth, Jessica Lawson fifth. So three, four, and five haven't run this year, but they just don't have the like Kaladi and Orton have a little more cachet to what they've done and, the, and the, just the times that they put out. And in Kaladi's case, the national championships that she's won. So I feel like those two are a little bit separate from everybody else. Kaladi's ahead of Orton, but then there's a gap between two and three. You mentioned how she broke the world record in the basketball dribbling mile. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have been doing this, right? You have the beer mile, you have the blue jean mile, they have the running backwards mile. I was thinking about it this past weekend. Do you think I could break the world record in the no warm-up mile? Like, how many people have attempted to run a mile without warming up? Let alone try to run a fast mile without warming up. Let me so, counter that with the, another question. How long do you think it takes Ilya Kipchoge to warm up? Well, I'm just saying. What's the first mile of his anyone, long run? Yeah, his, I guess, yeah, his first mile is probably a world record of his warm-up. But I'm like talking about like someone who's like, all right, we're going to the track. We're not going to stretch. We're not going to jog. We're just going to put on spikes, step mm -hmm. to the line, and run as fast as possible. Like no one has ever done that because you need to warm up. You need to jog around and you stretch it out a bit. And like maybe this yeah. is my avenue because I hate warming up. Try to break the no warm-up world record. It's definitely well, – you're The record is empty. No one has ever recorded it. Like we, I could be the first. The Do you base. feel like you're uniquely qualified for this? Are you an anti warm up person? Yeah, I'm more. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm anti long warm up. I just have this mental yeah. thing where I tell myself, oh, warming up gets me tired. And then I'm like, I don't <laughs> want to go more. You know, it's just like a weird thing. Like, the more I warm up, the less energy I have for the actual race. That's what I told myself in college. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not true, right? Because you're clearly my body can handle it, but it's. It's yeah, like a, yeah. It was like a mental thing like, oh, no, I shouldn't be moving because I need to store all the energy and let it all out at once when the race starts. But anyway. Uh, See, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm the opposite. So I think I really needed long warm-ups, and I was really paranoid about not being warmed up enough. So I think you and I, if we put our two philosophies together, could have been a normal level-headed runner and not <laughs> there you go. ridiculous on one extreme or the other. Who yeah. else you got? Uh, should I keep on coming up with some losers? I mean, you, you can do whatever you want. I don't want to influence you one way or the other. I was going to say, loser. I mean, maybe not loser, but like, 
not as much incomplete. Uh, loser on the loser yeah. to the hype. Loser to the hype. Okay. Let's say the NC State women. Uh they did go out and win everything they did, right? They won ACCs convincingly. Um they showed that it had interchangeable parts with Steelman and Claremont. Uh uh Kelsey Camille wasn't really as up there with the rest of them, but still whatever they were winning everything they did. But the NC State that we were thinking about in our minds, in our dreams all summer long, wasn't what we got, you know, during this COVID season. Obviously, no Marley Starlipper and no Caitlin Tui. So they're two star freshmen. They decided to I guess not compete. Red shirt slash not red shirt, whatever. We might see them probably in March, probably due to an injury or just kind of want to ease them into training and or whatever. We don't know the exact reason, but it was kind of a little bit of a, a disappointing when we saw that COVID hit and we realized ACC's still running. We're like, ooh, great. At least we still mm-hmm. get to see the NC State women. Like that was like a yeah. a bonus. We're like, cool. That's the one conference that we have some interest in. But the women weren't really – they didn't give us what we wanted by showing a full-strength squad uh, and showing what they can be potentially when they go up against Stanford and New Mexico in March. So that was my loser in the hype. I think if we did this as grades instead of doing it simply as winner or loser, I think you'd give NC State incomplete at this point. I mean, they, they yeah. did great, but by their own, by their own standards, just because we haven't seen two people we think are going to be in their top five – I would say you brought up those two teams that haven't run. Are they winners by default, Stanford and New Mexico, just because NC State is probably a little more vulnerable than we expected heading into the season? It's hard because we, we, we don't have any data, but we know I mean, we know Stanford is going to be strong up front because we've seen Donahue and Lawson before. And obviously, Kaladi leading New Mexico, and then you were really big on some of New Mexico's new pieces as well too. Has the gap shrunk between NC State and everybody else? Even though everybody else, a lot of those, everybody else is having even run. Well, not necessarily. I think NC State's Dominic Claremont, the, the, the woman who won ACCs, I think in a lot of form charts or whatever. I didn't have, I had her probably as like their number four runner, and if yes. their number four runner is winning ACCs. That's probably a good sign, right? Um, sure. But so I think they showed that they have like a really strong four now, and they just need to find that fifth. I mean, their strong four would be Tui, Claremont, Steelman, and um, Camille. Starlipper. Oh, Camille. And I mean, Camille, but Starlipper, I guess, would be that potential fifth, right? So, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whoever else shows up and has a good day. <laughs> But yeah, incomplete. Has anyone ever really ever gotten an incomplete on a report card? Like, yeah, you give them out halfway. Sometimes. You've given out an incomplete. What's it? as a former teacher? Y- yes, sometimes you, we were required to, ba- based on certain circumstances. What's the definition of an incomplete? You just like, like what type? What does a kid need to do for you to give him an incomplete? Isn't well, aren't you failing? Like if they had like a medical excuse and we're out for a long period of time or some other reason. So it's like, Hey, we can't hold this stuff against, like if it was the end of the semester, we'd have to decide a grade. But since it's midway through and we don't have enough work to evaluate your grade, you're just going to get an incomplete. 
that's usually the way we handled it uh for special circumstances but you bring up an interesting point here though i mean this is like a good lesson of just like what the perils are of like bringing like relying on a bunch of freshmen right i mean it could work and they could be awesome in march but we could also have a situation where a couple of those key freshmen just get held out for precautionary reasons uh because a lot of times freshmen redshirt and then their team drastically changes we need to consider that possibility all right all right who's up next what do you got uh, it's your turn. Give me a winner or a loser. You keep on bringing Wesley. in the winners, and I'll I'll bring the losers. <laughs> I'll talk Wesley Kip to here. Actually, I mean, winner yeah. I think is you. Is you? You brought to light Arkansas man, Wesley Kip to, and of course, Mercy Chilangat. So I think, you know, you you have been right on a couple of these, which I make fun of you hey. when you're wrong. So I should I should at least give you credit when you're right. Um, yeah, so Wesley Kiptu just completely dominates the Big 12s and has looked good all season for Iowa State. People you talked to said he was better than Edwin Kurgot. I thought that was crazy. It may not end up being that crazy. He's run really well in, in the JUCO ranks, but that's a totally different ballgame once you get up to the D1 status. And I don't know, man, winning Big 12s in that fashion is not a fluke. So I think he uh, has helped himself tremendously just with a couple of meets. And again, I'm trying to look at the people who are like stand a position to gain from these weird circumstances. And I think someone like him would be perfect because he gets to dip his toe in the water of this level of competition, but then now has time to make any changes, make any adjustments and can make sure he's really good come come March. But you have him, what, sixth in the rankings? Well, you had him sixth going into last weekend. I'm yeah. assuming he's going to move um, way up. I would probably put him, I mean, Mance, Grijalva, Bangura, I would say. Like, you got to give Mance based on what he's done and the fact that 10K, he's going to be pretty good. Grijalva based yeah. on what you he did Kip indoor. Kip he changed his name to Kip too. Oh, sorry, sorry. It says Bangura on here. Sorry. Um, yeah, that's because preseason-wise, that that was his name. He changed his last name. Okay. My apologies. Um. So those three. Let me just talk about those three and what each of them brings. Grijalva, you have to have him in there because of what he did indoors, which is the last data point before everything got canceled, and then what he did in Stillwater was mighty impressive. Mance, top returner. He was pretty strong indoors as well, too. Ran that 10K and then was second behind... Uh, ran that 10K in LA, and then it was second behind Grijalva, and he's going to be good when it counts. He's just done it over and over again. And then Kiptu, the new guy on the scene who has just been blowing it out of the water, has to be included in there. So all three of those guys uh, are in the top of the list, and I think they're all there for a different reason, and you can make a strong argument for for all three of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kiptu is like, I mean, his junior college, he ran 751 and 1343. I mean, how many people are running 751? Not many people, especially 751 in the non-NCA scene. It makes well, sense that like he's a 13, this good. He's running like a 1320 guy now, though, right? He's running like a 1320 guy now. He's not running like a 13. Yeah. What did you say, 1340? Well, yeah, yeah uh, last year he ran 1343 in the indoor yeah. season, yeah. right? So right. he just – Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he did it at a random, like – 
region six indoor championship for Juco. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. He's just been a, an, an animal. Uh, how good? So it, I'm, I'm not really good with 8K times, but <laughs> no I mean, case. at conferences, he, he ran, he beat, okay, he, he beat Isai by like 15 seconds or 14 seconds, but he beat third place by almost a minute. So clearly, mm-hmm. like, he was, like, so far ahead of the rest of the regular folk of runners, you know, the three yeah. through ten runners in the in the Big 12. Um, and apparently he just he – he goes out, he yeah. runs until he breaks you, and then once he's, bro- he's broken you, he just holds it. Like, he's not like a wait – his strategy is just go until I'm by myself. And once I'm by myself, I cruise in. Um, I did talk to That's Dave a good Smith one. about – yeah, I did talk to Dave Smith about the Big 12 race specifically, and Isai went with Kiptu as long as he could, and then eventually Coach told Isai, like, hey, lay off, because if you try to go with them for too long, it could you could bonk and then finish like 10th. We, you getting second is more valuable than you potentially getting the win, you know, for points-wise. Yeah. So they legitimately, like, they were just like, they waved the white flag with against him after like a mile, and they're like, "Hey, we're out. We're yeah, yeah you yeah. can have the win, Isai. Just get the second place finish, get that low stick, and then we'll go from there." Just kind of wild. I mean, he's running. So, a, isn't this sort of how Labby Lang did it and Kennedy yeah. Kathuka did it of just straight out from the gun? It's a little different than the Morgan McDonald Edwin Kurgot style of dominance. They seem to approach yeah. cross country more like a track race where they wind it up at the end but there's this breed out there uh, of runners who just completely you know sort of like kaladi in a way too just hey i'm better than you i know i'm better than you and we can either do this two ways you can either leave me alone from the beginning or i'm gonna run your legs off and you know what i just thought about that's an impressive show of confidence dude you know what i just thought about iowa what? state outdoor title because remember, guess who's coming back? Edwin Kurgot, right? He'll come back because he didn't get outdoor last year. Kurgot and Kiptu, oh, wow. could they go 1-2-1-2 one, two, one, two in the 5-10 and 10 and score 36 points? Yeah. I could have. And Fessus Legat gets and 10 Fessus in the Legat wins the, what, yeah, does well in the 8. And the 15. some throw or something. Or in the 15, so that's yeah. 30, 46, 50, that's 56 points once Festus doubles in the eight, No, in the Festus 15. isn't going to – I'm being more realistic. It is realistic to think that I am too. Edwin Kurgat and Wesley Kiptu could go 1-2-1-2. One, two, one, two. That is a realistic hey, thing. It probably won't happen, don't tell but, me like, there's no Joe Klecker. I mean, it, it could – hey, that would be exciting to see back. them race each other. Because Are if Kiptu sure does back? go out, Kurgat? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, I would think, exactly. but I don't know. That would be. I didn't even think about him and the fact that they're training together. That must be. That must be quite helpful if he's if he's training yeah. with Edwin Kerr. Got it's like, hey, so the, here's how to win an NCAA championship. Just follow exactly what so I do. They only have the 2020 roster up, so we don't know what the 2021 is. But I assume. I think he's going. I think he is coming back. But uh, yeah, that'll be cool if if. Um, if Kiptu goes on to win cross country, 
Then we have the two mm-hmm. cross country champions from the same school, and then we get to see them finally race each other for the first time, which would be kind of pre- pretty wild. So that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I, I don't, does it make it better that they're from the same school or worse? Better. The two best people. Like the uh, yeah. Jenkins and Cesarek thing. You were a big fan of yeah. that? Yeah, I was a big fan. I don't know, big fan. I wasn't like, I didn't have like a, my face painted, you know? Yeah. But, but you enjoyed yeah, watching those two, even even though they're on the same team, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, man, I'm already bringing up the form charts. Iowa State is going to be my. That's gonna be my equivalent of the NAU indoor team. I'm going for the Iowa State outdoor team when they have Kip Two and Kurgat. It's gonna be great. I'm already winner. Oh, I'm already Iowa State's now. outdoor awesome. team. <laughs> Big winner. Iowa State's outdoor team. Yes, for Do sure. Do they have anybody else? Uh, I mean, they, had some, they, they had some other 800 guys that would get eligibility back, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they had a couple. Um, okay. That's a Let's see what their folks. top performances got... were. You got anybody in the field? So they had a. They got anybody who can run ten two. I mean, yeah, they had three guys. I think who almost. I think they had two guys who ran one forty seven indoors, and a third guy who ran one forty eight indoors. So. They might have a throw yeah, somewhere. I... Well, it's so it's too bad Kurgat doesn't get indoors back because if he got oh. indoors back. Combined with Iowa State's mid distance, maybe they get a, a DMR out there. That then and they become Gordon's favorite team there. Uh, okay, so he's my he's my winner. Uh, Wesley Kipps, you. I didn't even think about the outdoor implications. Man, you've got me, you got me beat. You're talking 2022 Oklahoma State and 2021 <laughs> outdoor Iowa State. I love I li- you know I live in the here and now, so it's cool to be around somebody who's so future focused. Like they said, you got to have the longest view in the room. Famous Sam Hinkie quote. Speaking of Sam Hinkie, did he did he say that? Uh, what I haven't got to talk to you publicly on this podcast. What are your thoughts on Daryl Morey joining the Sixers? For those who don't know Daryl Morey, you're... he's a former Houston Rockets GM who's a great, who's considered one of the better GMs in the league. Sixers front office is a dumpster fire, but now we bring in the best guy to solve all the problems, uh, and that means we're just going to win the next ten championships, according to. Mm-hmm. Science. Uh, what are your thoughts on Daryl Morey going to the Sixers? I like how you and Lincoln opened with it last week. You didn't even pretend that you were a running podcast, and you did. I think you did like seven or eight minutes on it before you guys caught yourself. Like, oh, we got to talk about something else. It's the perfect. It's the perfect marriage. This was inevitable. You have the 76ers, which is the most clickable NBA team, to put it in internet parlance. Now with the owner or sorry the general manager that people love speculating and talking about because he's so media friendly so it's just going to be ridiculous it's just for people who just despise 76 er coverage because it's so dramatic and breathless <laughs> it's going to be just a rough run for me i didn't think it could get more self-indulgent but i'm gonna have to even if i didn't work with you everything i hear about the nba <laughs> is going to be told through this ridiculous sixers prism elton brand's hey. still there though right yeah, Elton he got Brand's his contract there? extension. Apparently, it was so, Elton Brand's idea to bring in Morey. So, so, is the front office still a mess then? I don't know what's going on here. No, he's just going to basically – he's going to be his little B word, his little bitch. That's what they say. Basically, Morey's going to make all the decisions, and I think Brand will be the face of the decisions. Brand will be like, hey, he'll woo the free agents and be like that because I'm a player, former player. Hey, we got that connection. But I think in the end, Brand is going to be like, all right, Morey's going to come here. 
we're gonna have a lot of success and then i'm gonna add all the success to my resume and then i'll go get a job somewhere else as being the head honcho of basketball operations i think he realized like hey i got thrown into this craziness i got this job off of no resume but maybe i need to like get a couple wins here with maury as my boss and then i could be considered a prime candidate for like the future opening at some other big school like i could see i mean him i mean i guess atlanta and clippers are his former teams so maybe go to one maybe clippers maybe he eventually he shows success here for the sixers and all of a sudden brand is like the big sexy hire for a new franchise out there so that's what i think he's thinking he's thinking hey this will make me look good when i'm a free agent in 2028 yeah, yeah i mean it makes sense with maury a lot of hype results aren't that great so it fits pretty well with the 76ers and what they've done the last few years so <laughs> be excited to see it uh good luck to you uh, and that's your team see what we're gonna do is we're gonna pretend nba talk is our ad block you know how all podcasts oh, okay. have like you know you gotta do like a 30 to 60 second ad our ad is just our love for for basketball so what if we got that, sponsored by the nba that'd be great what if Can we just give our what, NBA what, what minute? If, yeah adam silver was like hey I want to I want to really take tracks audience share. It's been cutting into ours at the NBA. Can you guys just I'm going to throw a bunch of money to track people. Okay, do you have any more? We we have time for a few more. You can do winners. Yeah. Now. You don't have to just be negative. I mean <clears throat> winner NAU? I mean, no. BYU? No. Connor Mance's shirt that he used for the a mask. mask. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, NAU and BYU kind of just are a wash to me. I feel like I look at them the same, even if they didn't run that race. There was nothing that they did in that race that really impressed me. If anything, I mean, people may not want to hear this, but like NAU's result wasn't that good when you put it in comparison. They didn't have that tight of a pack. Yes, Grijalva was great, and Abdi Hamid was good. But after that, the yeah. rest of the guys were – at below their below their standard of average, right? So like Drew Bosley wasn't like running up there in the top ten. Like if this team was on fire and like training, they should have put their entire top five in the top ten. But they didn't. They only put two guys in the top ten. So yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm you got Michael Young and NAU. different. But, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not as panicked about NAU as you are. Uh, I've long been a believer, even when you, you did not think. Yeah, you're. When I asked you, I said, "Why do you want to do this running with the boys documentary?" You're like, "I want to be there to see the tears." I was like, "Whoa, that's pretty crazy." I think that they can win, and the whole year it's you're like, "No, no, it's 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 only better if they lose." There's going to be just mass chaos on the team. The whole program might go under. I said, "I don't know about that, Gordon." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about NAU. I think they did fine in that race. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Like you're missing. They're missing three people who could be all Americans on that team yeah. so i don't it's it's too i wouldn't give them an incomplete because they've turned in work but i would say they're they're a b but you're like all right you just didn't turn in your homework all your quiz scores are good just turn in your homework and you'll be fine and you can say the same thing about byu too we uh we'll probably should save this i think we should bring on a guest i think mm. we should bring on a guest Corey mall to our podcast sometime this week and have him talk about ncaa recruiting because we haven't been on that beat right with miles okay. what's been Covering, uncovering who's signing where during this crazy season. Uh, Are you NAU, asking for a crossover? 
Are you asking for a crossover episode? Yes, but are you are you trying to get on the line? Are you going to go on their show? Are you going to go on on the line? Apparently, are you going to step into the lion's den with Brian and Corey? Yes, but apparently, the second best cross country runner in the nation is going to NAU next year. Oh, Alaska, Alaska, just a merchant. Yeah. Okay. And like, it's just like they're like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think about. Like, they have all this success, all these freshmen. Now red shirt, now these red shirt sophomores, and then they just keep on adding more. It seems like NAU needs two teams. They have too many great runners. It's like unfair mm-hmm. to have that much depth, you know. So, yeah. Anyway, I was um, thinking about that. Like, of course they're getting because you feel like they should go like one year without a good recruit, but now they're just gonna go. They're gonna get Brody Hasty one year, then they get Drew Brosley the next year, then they get Nico Young. Last year, and then this year, they're getting a kid from Alaska, Tristan Merchant, who likely have had a junior outdoor season, would be looked at the same way we look at a Drew Bosley. So it's just kind of wild. Yeah. So here's something that I don't know, maybe the mile split folks know, maybe they don't. I don't know, maybe it's more of a data thing for you. But it's like if you were moneyballing this, right? If you were working just hypothetically for a Division One team, Let's say any of you. Just, just throwing that out there. Uh, no. Like, what's your hit rate got to be on the uh, – like, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Yeah. So – because if you just get – if you get one to land every recruiting class that can be an All-American and then you're able to add in a, tra- a grad transfer here or a JUCO transfer there, that's all you need. Isn't that like if you're starting with like if we can get a top five footlocker slash NXN person every year, at least one, and, and and you can and you hit on how many do you need to hit on, I guess? How many need to ha- happen in a row before you become a title team? Does that make sense? What am I Yeah, asking? I mean you have to, basically you have to bring in four and I think you have to hit one every four. Now that hit needs to be like a legit hit. The hit can't be like, oh, I'm a 14, 15 guy. Like the hit needs to right. be like I can run sub fourteen, uh, so yeah, I think you every year you probably bring in four guys or women and are like, hey, hope twenty five percent of them are studs. Yeah, but then, the then you have to reason. think about. Well, you also think about the recruiting aspect of like I I thought about this like, what is a better, like, what is what's a smarter move? Is it smart? to try to get the stars, like get at least one star, or is it smart to try to find the under-raced, middle-of-nowhere kid who you're like, hey, he's won everything in his county, everything in his state, in Nebraska, but no one knows about him because he's not being pushed, right? And he's not traveling to Arcadia to run in the fast race. Like, are you always trying to find, like, these hidden gems that no one's talking about? Like, Oh, it's because he was like playing soccer. He didn't. He never ran cross country. Type guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, it's got to be a combination because of the money and the scholarship allotment. But it also makes sense from a perspective. It's like, okay, I can bring in this guy who ran eight fifty for two miles, or I can bring in, you know, two people who run nine oh five. You can see why someone would say, "Well, I'll bring in the eight fifty because. I don't even if it, it doesn't work, like that's okay, 
because most people aren't going to work, but at least we're starting with a higher upside of somebody who could. But work. I could. Like, I understand. I don't know. Would you rather bring in one eight fifty guy or three nine ten guys? I profit if you're in a U and you already have the pieces moving. Yeah, if you're in a U, like, you get the eight fifty. Yeah. Yeah, because it, the only thing that moves NAU is you get a Nico Younger. If you get the next tier down, it doesn't matter because then you're in this huge group of people who would be their 8th through 20th guy. Yeah, and there's no yeah. need to recruit the 8. Like, they're looking for the the number 4 man, the number 3 man, uh, who can eventually turn into the top person. But I just think also when you you want to leave space too for – people that you can bring – like look at what NC State is doing or look at what Arkansas men is doing with grad transfers or regular transfers. You want to leave space in there for that because that person's already been established at this level. So you're just like, oh, I'm not bringing in an 850 person that I need to develop it one or two steps down the road to get even better. It's like, oh, no, I'm bringing in an All-American from last year. If they just do exactly what they did last year, then we can plug them in and they'll be fine. But I wonder how many – like you talk to coaches. How much are they thinking about – stuff like that in terms of allocation of scholarships because you never like hear or read anything about it like how, how do yeah, they come I up mean, with that i'm sure there's different strategies right and i'm sure the, there there's teams that are really good at working the margins and finding the turning the not ne- being it i mean it's just two different programs right there's programs where they are going to be able to attract the 405 guys and like the basically the top 10 people in the nation. And those teams are yeah. going to be UW, Milt at North Carolina, NAU, Stanford. Like yeah. there's like, yeah. there's like probably Notre Dame. Fifth, Notre Dame, 15 programs that they can have one of these stars walk into their room and be able to convince them. But then there's programs that aren't, can't do that. Right. Who aren't, that stalwart of a program yeah. that need to try to work the margins and get a bunch of guys that nobody wanted and do that for multiple years. And then eventually you become good enough that then the people are going to start wanting you. Right. I mean, yeah. 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 You got to so find the, that's going to be the, you got to, yeah. Well, that's so, so like, I guess you'd have to go way back in time then because the NAU before Mike Smith, it was Eric Hines. And then before that was like, they've always, they've had good, programs there for decades and the fact that it's in flagstaff helps but i'm i just always wonder how did that start how did they how do they get the fire going and what sort of inefficiencies did they capitalize in the beginning because you're right if it was all just about reputation and recruits then oregon and stanford would have been winning every year for the last you know 20 years because those are the the name the name brand programs but it's like they must have done all these smaller teams must have done something in the beginning and they must have been able to see something in their recruiting that other programs weren't seeing to get some of these these kids. Yeah. And I also I mean, not to talk about NAU again, but I will like That's like low key on. NAU, like everyone was talking about Nico Young in the last year's recruiting class. But I think based off of what we've seen so far, their yeah. best signing might not be Nico Young. Again, Nico Young's the best signing. He's gonna one who's gonna be like in their top five right away, and he's going to be, you know, game-changing. But this kid, Santiago Prosser from Anchorage, yeah. Alaska. So yeah. his resume has, like, nothing on it, right? He – I mean, his 
best times are 418 in the 1600, yeah. 924 in the 3200. So that's like a Tyler nothing, Day. That's like a Tyler Day type resume from high school, yeah. right? All right. Yeah. Cross country. Last time he raced cross country in 2019, he won every race in cross country. No, wait, he didn't. He lost some three Ks, but that doesn't count. We won't count that. But he ran five. <laughs> he ran four five Ks, and he won every one of them, ending with a, the Alaska State Championship, which he won. He won the Alaska State Championship. He didn't go to NXN. Didn't go to Foot Locker. So this guy's like, hey, he's like, he's a raw person. And then you look at he. He was their seventh man yeah, at uh yeah. at Oklahoma State. Like he yeah. was right up there with you know Drew Bosley and and um Brody Hasty. It's just like who is this kid? They already have this kid right, who's now, right. you know, in their top seven. I mean, sure the top seven yeah. won't be their same top seven, but like stuff like that, you're like, once again, another another one just comes in and boom, right away. Yeah. Well, because we are paying more attention to the Nico Youngs and the Drew Bosleys because Yeah. There's there's so many people, and every state has, in some cases, bigger states have multiple kids like the one you're describing that are going to schools all around. You just never know who's going to pan out and who's not. But I'm, it's yeah, like when I've talked to Corey and Brian before about this person or that person, it's like you look at their times. It's like even like on the even on the the sprint side of things, right? Oh, so and so is going to Kentucky or Florida. It's like all right, well. That's like a really good high school time, but to score in the SEC meet even or to get to NCAAs, they're going to have to drop a bunch of time, and a lot of kids don't, and that's where it ends um, yeah. for them. So you see the appeal in like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna sign – obviously, this is no brainer. I'm going to sign Sydney McLaughlin. Why? Well, because she's 10 points right now. That's like 10 points yeah. in, the, in the bank right now, or we're going to get Nico Young. Why? Because he's a top, top 15 guy in the nation right now. But there's this whole other group of Santiago Prosser's or Tyler Days or whoever who are really good high school runners, but they can go in two directions. That could have been it for them in high school, or they can go the direction of becoming a superstar. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm, I think I'm we would love to talk to them because how the hell is the recruiting happening right now, right? They These kids had no 2020 season. A lot of them now aren't having a 2020 cross-country season. Like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're like – you're basing your their resumes are like especially on the the men's side a lot of women run faster younger but a lot of men don't really have their breakout race until their junior year outdoor and sure. this year's class didn't have that so mm-hmm. what are we to know if you're actually good or not like so i think that's going to be a the we're going to know who's really good at recruiting when we see who from this class uh we're gonna know who's really good at recruiting in like at the 2022 cross country championships when we see these high yeah. school kids running. So, yeah, yeah, and then b- by the time you get there, there's transfers and international yeah. runners all thrown in there as well too. It's really hard to to sort out. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Blowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Lincoln and I will be on tomorrow. He's back from his I don't even know what he was doing. Um, apparently, he's in another city. And then uh, Lincoln and Gordon will be up on uh, Wednesday. Any last words, Gordon, before we go? No, no last words. Uh, okay. Yeah, check You're out the Halloween costume. I was, really pr- I was really proud of my Halloween costume. Go check it out. It's all on all my Instagrams, Twitters. It's great. And leave Gordon a comment on one of those about the 76ers. And then you'll yes. you'll make him happy. 
unless it's yes. negative, and then keep it to yourself. All right, thanks, Elon, for producing. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.